Welcome to a conversation powered by Connected Learning, where we chat with some of today's leading minds about new learning approaches designed for the demands and opportunities of the digital age. Connected Learning values the new ways many young people today access information, gain expertise, and learn alongside peers and mentors using the internet, social networks, and digital technology. We're excited you're here to join the conversation as we seek to make learning relevant. Hi everyone, this is John Barraloni, Community Manager for the Connected Learning Alliance, and today we're chatting with Jackie Gerstein about connected learning, education technology, and 21st century learning. Hi Jackie. Hi John, how are you? Doing well, thanks. Uh, Jackie is, in my opinion, one of the most tweetable educators out there in the online learning space. She teaches graduate level education technology courses at Boise State, Walden University, and American Intercontinental University. And she also teaches a cohort seminar for student teachers for Western Governors University. And Jackie has one of the catchiest and inspiring bylines that I've ever heard. Uh, I believe it goes, I don't do teaching for a living. I live teaching as my doing. And technology has amplified that passion. So Jackie, I mean, obviously, you're pretty deep within the edu education technology sphere. And I wanted to get your take on, you know, whether it's within K-12 or higher education environments, why do you think there's been such this, this big push lately to incorporate digital media and the internet into the learning process for students? Uh, and in fact, you talked about Twitter. I just tweeted out this morning, which fits with what you're saying, is that kids are coming to school at all ages, even starting, you know, kindergarten. They have skills to get on the internet and look it up. They have skills for taking pictures. They have skills for taking video and posting it. They have skills for social networking. I had third and fourth graders who were in um, Club Penguin and had friends across the world because they were in that kid-friendly virtual world. So they're coming into school, and it's ubiquitous, and it's not, you know, there's this thing called the pencil chat. People don't, don't say, why are we integrating pencils mm -hmm. into the classroom? And the same thing occurs when we're thinking about digital learning. It's just part of our lives. I go... You know, I go to rent a car, and the guy prints out my receipt on a computer now. It's everywhere we look. And to not include it into the into educational settings, and again, I don't care. I have, I have um, like you said, I teach grad students, and I have kindergarten teachers that are doing projects with their kindergarten students that are technology-enhanced as well as in corporate sectors. It's just part of our lives. And I go to the point, and I think you'd probably agree, that I'm even questioning the ethics of not including digital learning um, technology in the classrooms because it is so much part of our lives. Yeah, fair point. And I know I was chatting with uh, Jonathan Worth from Phonar.org um, last month, and he had this great quotable that hits along that same point. If you're not using the internet to teach, and his quote was, you're bonkers. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Definitely this powerful tool. And I want to see, you know, within your own classroom, how have you seen the internet affecting the way that your students have been learning? Well, the biggest piece for me, and I really preach this to other teachers, is in the past, the places that young people got information may have been the library or newspapers, and they'd come to class to and teachers would have to say, do you want to learn about this or do you know about this? Teachers at that point were the gatekeepers of knowledge and the gatekeepers of information. Educators no longer are because we have 
and I, I not, this is one of my favorite quotes, is saying that we have access to any kind of information we want on the Internet at any time we want in this rock because it's just there. And so how it's changed is, you know, an example I have is a, a fifth grader in the middle of a lesson, we were talking about something, and he said, I wonder how much Babe Ruth mitt would go for right now. And instead of saying we're not on the topic, I said, well, what a great teachable moment. Go on the Internet, look it up, and come back and tell us about it. So not only do we, do we have information at our fingertips, we can allow kids to go exploring information with our guidance because it's there. Instead of me saying, oh, let me look it up and come back to you tomorrow, it's, we don't have to wait. It's, it's immediately accessible. It is accessible. And the teacher's role then as an information or a content provider directly is, is, is archaic. We don't need to do that anymore. We, it's there. So our job is to be helping kids find um, the information that they're most interested in. I hope that addressed what you were looking for. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I can imagine that being especially power, I'm sorry, especially powerful for learners who, you know, may not be used to having, you know, that own agency to kind of go yeah. and do these things on their own where, you know, for so long we've been focused on, okay, you're right, you're the teacher, you tell me what I'm supposed to be learning. There's a big shift that we're all kind of having to deal with both on the teacher side and the learner side. Um, I know, Jackie, you, go ahead. Because I, I think that point and people with connected learning, and I, I know this is a question later about um, what, what do you see about the future of education? And for me, I talk about education 3.0, and what it's driven by is student and teacher agencies. Teachers sometimes aren't even taking the agency to go out and learn things for themselves. You know, the connected learning movement, that's why I love Twitter so much, is now teachers, um, there's a great little poster going around Twitter these last few days, is the best PD I get on is Twitter, it's instant access and instant information that I need. And so both teachers and students need to be starting to take their own agency to say, this is what's interesting to me, this is what's important to me, and it's there and how can I get it. And if teachers aren't doing that, then they can't model it for their kids. And I talk about a growth mindset for teachers, that they need to start taking their own agency back and say, this is what's interesting to me, and if I model it to my students, then they're going to see how, to, how I am as a learner and get some tips on how they can be as learners. Definitely. And I know that, you know, personally, you're a big proponent of both, you know, the phrase 21st century teaching as well as 21st century learning. And I wanted to yeah. see... In your opinion, what has the education world been doing right so far in helping both 21st century teaching and learning take root in the classroom? And then as kind of a follow-up, what could we still improve on in that area? Sure. What they're doing right is at least um, when I was trying to integrate technology 10 years ago, any kind, I mean just getting on the Internet and watching a YouTube movement video, there was such pushback from everybody. I was like, I was in a pretty big district in Arizona, and there are two of us out of all K-12 who are accessing the Internet for learning materials. And now I, go, I went to their website yesterday, and they have, they're on Twitter, and they have a Facebook page. So at least now schools are becoming more open to using technology in the classroom, and I think they're, they're developing an import, the understanding of the importance of doing so. And where it needs to go is what we were just talking about earlier, is, is getting away from using technology to recreate um, 20th century pedagogy to say, 
instead of me lecturing, let's watch a video of somebody else lecturing. It's still, and then you're going to take a quiz. It's still the old, it's just putting a new suit on the old pedagogy. So it's for me, I call it like, and the video, and the video games that have kids just answer the correct answers, I call those worksheets on steroids. So what we need to do is really start using, as we were talking about earlier, the internet and technology and all these great tools to have students become their own agents of learning. And another thing I say is um, students should be creating as much or more than they're consuming. They should be adding to their fields of interest too. So even a third grader who's interested in robotics to be showing a video on Minecraft of what they did there and get online, and that might be a value of even an adult who are trying to learn those skills. So we're all part of these communities of practice, and I know that fits with your connected learning, where we're all contributing as well as we have to give and take in our communities of practice. And I, again, I want kids as young as first and second grade to know that they could contribute too. That's perfect. And like you pointed out, that fits a lot with the connected learning vision. And I recall you being interested in this concept of connected learning, you know, before there was even a formal model with yeah. principles and values attached. Can, can you share a little bit about what drew you to that vision of connected learning, um, whether it was on a professional level or a personal level as well? Sure. And it's, and it's, again, I remember seeing you the first time at the DML conference, and we knew each other from Twitter, and it was almost, my friend says it's almost like starting on page 100. Cause <laughs> I, have friends, I have friends now from Australia and Canada, really amazing educators, who if it wasn't for social networking, I wouldn't have gotten to meet them. And now we go to conferences, and we know each other from social networking, and now we're friends in real life. That's powerful stuff. And what happened to me is, and, and I was thinking about this question earlier today, a lot of the most innovative teachers are outliers. And I was in my gifted program. And because we're not following the norm of let's lecture the kids and give them tests, sometimes in our own communities, our local communities, we're not valued for the contributions we're making and for the amazing learning that's going on in our classroom. So what we do is we've been able to find our own tribe online. And that's been exciting because I talked about I was losing hope for me as an educator, for educator as a field, because I always believed, and the Internet has really, really enhanced this for me, that students should be driving their own learning. But we didn't have the tools. I was talking about this 20 years ago. Carl Rogers talked about this. But what happened was, and that's where connected learning comes in, now we could find our own tribes. And I say, and I say that kids, you know, kids involved in Minecraft or robotics or the stars or or botany, they could go out, if there's no kids in their classroom, they could go out and they could find their own tribe. So for me, it's just been really valuable and affirming that people read my blog and they, kids could have that same thing, that people read my blog and respond and tell me it's helped them. It's just, it gives me hope and it gives me motivation to, to say, this is cool and we can make a change. So it's actually been a lifesaver, connected learning, it really has. That is awesome to hear, I appreciate that. And I know one of the ways that connected learning is being introduced to people is to say it builds on those three R's of reading, writing, arithmetic by introducing a fourth R, relevance, and kind of right. trying to make learning in the classroom relevant to life outside of it. And why do you think there's this need for relevance that you know, is so important for young learners nowadays? I think it always was. But they did again. We didn't have the tools. I don't know about you. I don't know how many times, and that's one reason I became an educator. 
I spent most of my K-12 and part of college incredibly bored. And that they wasted my time, and I, I get angry at that. that. They made me sit and learn things, and I talk, and I actually said this at the math conference last week. I said, you need to connect math because a lot of t- math teachers don't. You need to com- connect math to real life. Math is exciting when you, once you can connect it to real life skills. But having these things, I call them floating out in the air and not connected to anything, doesn't, it doesn't grab a lot of people unless you have innate interest in that topic. So this idea of relevance, I think it's a human need when it comes to learning. And, and again, like I said earlier, where connected learning comes in is, is we can help connect kids, learners, ourselves to content, people, processes online that, that can increase relevance so that kids studying math it, what might not be interested in when, when he asked about the, the baseball glove and Babe Ruth, we could have just looked at all kinds of things. He did come back and look at inflation over the years just because he was interested in baseball. We could connect that to math instead of this math being this amorphous thing. So I think relevance is always important, but now again we have the tools through connected learning to, to really make sure that each each person's relevancy is personalized because each person is unique and what's relevant to you isn't going to be relevant to me. Agreed. And yeah, I definitely would have loved to have had that kind of emphasis when going through my own K-12 education, even though that wasn't too, too long ago. But um, I know before our chat today, we were talking a little bit about some of the things you're kind of excited to work on. And you mentioned the maker movement, um, which I know has a lot of roots within you know, hands-on production center learning, which fits into connected learning as well. But just wanted to get your take on, you know, what excites you the most about um, what the maker movement's doing right now? Well, for me, it's, and then I'm going to connect it to connected learning. Um, for me, it's because it does combine so much. It's, it's science, technology, education, I mean, engineering, arts, and math. So it's a scheme. And when it's done right, you know, I mean, I don't know if you've done any maker fairs, but they're just, people are in the DYI movement. Again, this idea that everything's free and online. I wanted to learn how to change my oil and I went online and watched a YouTube video. I mean, everything's there. So, and I think this need for people to create, again, instead of just consume, we became such a consumer society. That's why I think, you know, we should have kids creating not only technology, but creating their own little, I have kids doing robotics and creating robots out of junk material. But, the, but what's really interesting in the maker movement is they're also sharing online. There's this thing called, have you heard of Thingverse? People are sharing their... I haven't actually, no. People are sharing their 3D thing. Oh, what is it? They're sharing their 3D designs online so then other people can go and create them. Thingiverse, digital designs for physical objects. So what it is is so people on their 3D... They create new designs, they put it online, someone takes it, they improve upon it, they put that online, and it's the same thing about why connected learning is important. If you put things out there and share, someone will take it, make it better, you can return to it, have a better product or process, you, you work on it and you put it out there. It becomes this evolution that's pretty amazing that together we can make all processes. The same thing you asked earlier about connected learning as a professional. I've become a better teacher because I'm connected and I'm a good teacher. So for good teachers, what, what connected learning could do is make them better teachers. For teachers who are mediocre, they could become better teachers because we've been in isolated fields. 
but the make maker movement is a connected movement. People do like to share their designs and because they know as a group, as a crowdsource, it becomes a better product. And by putting things out there, I'm sure you build your own personal learning network and community as well. It's kind of a win-win. Right. right. So it all becomes, that's why I believe all kids and teachers should have their own personal learning network because it's tailored to their own needs and going back to relevance, then their own personal net learning network is personal and does become relevant to them. Mm-hmm. So as an education technology professional, um, we talked a little bit about, you know, what the future could look like. And we talked a little bit about, you know, why you're excited about some of the upcoming things within the maker movement. Within the ed tech space, uh, are there specific trends that you're watching that you're kind of excited are taking off? Yeah, it's pretty funny. I was in, I don't know if you know, Second Life. There was a, there's a virtual world conference today. Mm-hmm. And, and there's this new Oculus, which is a new way of viewer. And I'm just so excited because I think if you've been watching this idea of virtual worlds and, and virtual reality and augmented reality is coming up in the future, and it's still very rudimentary. But I've said over the last couple of years, and I think we're getting closer, that you and I, instead of talking over the phone, we could have set up a room and met virtually with our own avatars that look like us that have our own same hand movements and facial expressions, even though I'm in New Mexico and you're in California. We could have, like, hung out in a room together. And what this gentleman said today, Philip Rosedale, who started Second Life, he said, the reason why a lot of these virtual worlds have failed is that we can't – people – I mean, MOOCs have failed. And if you know, you know how MOOCs just have a, a horrendous – completion rate right people are people are social and they like to be together but i do believe we're in a future where we'll be able to hang out in the same room with our avatars and be able to read facial expressions and body language and have that sense of presence together and so that um online learning is going to take a whole new a whole and be able to create like maker movement go in the middle and create a little a little car or something together virtually and I'm just I really think that's part of the future and I'm really hoping it is because then again this idea of connected learning becoming more personalized because we'd be avatars in the same room would be really cool. That sounds awesome we'll definitely look <laughs> forward to seeing how that all develops and it's, it's hard to believe but we're already kind of coming up on the end of our time here but before we sign off, Jackie, what's the easiest way that people can connect with you and your work online? Probably through Twitter, just at Jackie Gerstein. I'm on because I teach online. That's probably why you see me so much. That's I get I get to hang out online all day and see what's going on in terms of the Twitterverse and 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 a lot of virtual conferences. So probably through Twitter. You got it. All right, this is great. Thanks again for chatting about connected learning with us. Sure, and I'm really excited about what's coming up with Connected Learning. It's going to be really exciting. All you guys do such great work, so I'm very excited about the future of it. Thanks for joining us here at the Connected Learning Alliance. If you missed any of this conversation or want to listen to more discussions, check out our website at CLAlliance.org or subscribe to our podcast channel on iTunes. See you back here for more talks with change makers and thought leaders who are building the next generation of learning.